Welcome to the Weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth, and I have a very special guest in studio today to discuss a very special topic that is a hot topic in today's society. A lifelong friend, I welcome to the studio, Kenny Lord. Dennis, Michael, uh, thanks for having me. Kenny, why don't you give people that's listening to the podcast an idea of your background and, the, I mean, you've had a lot of travels over the last 20 years of your life. I don't want you to go into the whole storybook, but just give the kind of condensed version. Sure. Um, pertaining to the, to the industry that I'm yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, thanks, Dennis. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, grew up in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, uh, born and raised and, uh, spent some quality time from day one yeah. uh, with you, Dennis, Lots which of good is, memories. uh, is always something pretty special when you can look across the table and yeah. see someone that you went through, uh, pretty well the whole gantlet with. So, uh, it's, uh, Hey, it's nice to be here. Um, Bridgewater was a special town. Uh, as we all know, it's a, it's an area, it's a small town. My family wasn't original Nova Scotianers. Uh, in fact, I think maybe myself, I don't know, I think Stephen as well are the only two people in our family, my brother Stephen and, of course, my brother Chris. Right. Uh, Steve and I are the only ones that were born in, uh, born in Nova Scotia. Everyone else is from different areas, but... Uh, Wonderful town to grow up in and uh, had lots of experiences here. And uh, here I am today and looking forward to taking this conversation, whichever direction it goes. Taking on our fifth decade together. That's pretty our cool. Fifth decade together. Wow. <laughs> and we're going backwards, right? We we're not going for, yes, you are. It's not, there's no CRTC rules here. So, but we're not going forward. Well, we're going forward mentally, but we're kind of trying to keep our, our timeline, which is something we'll segue into later on in the, the podcast, but kind of be as young as we possibly can. Yeah. And it's something that we will talk about later. Anyway, let's let's get into some of the the background in regards to, especially the last the last four or five years have must have been a whirlwind for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll back it up just so for any of your listeners that are actually interested in hearing anything that I have to say, which will be interesting <laughs> if anyone does. But uh, anyway, uh, cannabis is kind of a very large part of my life. Um, if I was to go back 20 years ago and suggest that uh, cannabis was going to be an influencer in my life, I'd say you're crazy. Um, it was not something that we participated in before the conversation of you and I sitting down here. It was like uh, we used to kind of look at the guys in the smoking area that were wearing the Motley Crew clothes. Yeah, and, that's uh, why I'm wearing the Led Zeppelin yeah, t-shirt yeah, today, and, man. And thinking, geez, look at those guys. They're crazy. And uh, for whatever reason, um, it just was, we were, I think I can speak for both of us in this situation, we were very focused on athletics and uh, it just wasn't part of our lifestyle and not because I don't think we disregarded it at that time it just wasn't really in our space and uh, of course got introduced to it a little bit more in university like probably 80 percent of the population but it never really took a big impact on my life till around 20 years ago and uh, quite frankly you know when there's a tipping point that I think everybody reaches in their lives where some things fall together and you're not really sure why but uh I had a very, very interesting conversation with somebody that was uh, someone I looked up to, a mentor that frankly um, was looking for alternative forms of, of therapy. He was banged up as an athlete, uh, definitely not someone I would view as, uh, as a standard cannabis user at the time. And look, I need to make this crystal clear. I was as hypocritical as anyone mm. else at the time. Yeah. I uh, just thought it was a, uh, let's get high and let's blow our minds out. And again, for whatever reason, every time that I would try cannabis, it, 
it just never worked for me in the sense it, it sure worked, but it just set me on my butt and I wanted to get in bed or eat some food and go to sleep. <laughs> and that was it. it. It wasn't kind of what my typical, typical Kenny Lord day would, what, what wasn't, wasn't typical by any yeah. means. So, so really that industry kind of dawned on me when I started exploring um, my own personal interest in it from a health and wellness perspective and, and quite frankly, that was the tipping point. I use the term health and wellness. You'll hear that a bunch of times. But, you know, started digging in, started, you know, it's the same time I started exploring vegetarianism. It's the same time I started exploring all kinds of different things. And anyone that knows me kind of recognize I'm not a typical follow the lead and uh, go in the direction that uh, that that maybe we're supposed to or being being pushed towards. And I'm not bragging about that. It just it, it just sort of fit with me. And the more I dug into the the research, the more I started exploring um, the legalities, for instance, behind yeah, exactly. cannabis as a plant, it, it made no sense. So so took a deep dive into trying to figure out what in the world's going on with this plant. Um you know, everyone, uh, I came from a family that was, our business was built around cultivation and exportation. Um, my father was one of the largest cultivators and exporters of Christmas trees within the area. At one point, one of the biggest uh, cultivators and exporters of Christmas trees on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, and, exactly. And it took me a while to even think this way, but it's, it's a plant. It's no different than a balsam fir seedling as far as the mechanics of it. And I think because of the fact I grew up with uh, forestry and agricultural background, that, that probably pushed me into into this space a little bit as well. So it went in so many different directions so fast. Um, and it's got, it's got to be getting even quicker because the industry has now gone into a, you know, a governmental program. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about one thing about owning a business and opening up a, a cannabis shop in Halifax or New York City. It's another thing when you start to become a supplier of governments across Canada and the United States because the United States are starting to make a ma major movement as well. So it's got to make your life incredibly busy. Well, the, the reality of where we are in today's society, I mean, frankly, you know, five, 10 years ago, we were having conversations where we were trying to convince people that this is more than what it is. I have a hard time having conversations with anybody that are trying to tell me the drug's bad. Um, Look, I grew up and uh, I, I watched my father drink himself to death. And yeah. it, you know, it's not something that any of us are proud of. I loved my father and he was the most respectable, honorable man that I ever came in. Absolutely. But for some reason, it was uh, normal behavior for everybody in those generations to, to drink. And uh, cigarettes were a big part of what I grew up in as well. And, uh, you know... I'm a thinker. I've, I think I've grew up in a family that was always asking questions and conversations were always encouraged. No one thought they were any better than anybody else, but there was always the, the push to kind of explore and understand perspectives. And I can picture my dad or my mom and us at the dinner table. Uh, we had three rules. You were at the dinner table at five o'clock and that yeah. was one of them. And, and because of that, there was conversation, and I think that's something that's certainly lacking in today's world. And there were days where we all said, oh, God, I'd rather be out running around on the basketball court or playing with my friends or doing whatever. But those, those times and that type of upbringing really pushed the ability to think outside of the box. And uh, going back to cannabis, um, you know, I started exploring how in the hell – 
can a plant that has never killed a human being from direct use in the history of its use, that's 4,000, arguably 4,000 years of, uh, of use, um, how can this be legal? Like, are people fucking crazy? Like, what's going on? Like, uh, uh, tobacco kills um, 350,000 Americans a year. A year. A fucking year. Yeah. 350,000 people die a year. And it's legal. Direct use of, not only is it illegal, corporations. No, no it's legal. And government, <laughs> uh, sorry, legal. Not yeah. only is it legal, but governments and, and, um, and corporations are making trillions of oh, dollars yeah. off the the death of these people and the alcohol industry is no different so sorry i'm probably deviating a little bit no that was a major point in saying not only am i interested in this now i'm fucking frustrated about this and i'm watching just like potentially i was people viewing jesus he's a drug dealer or god he's a stoner or blah 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 but Education was a big part of it. And when I did the due diligence and started learning about the drug and started researching people like Dr. Raphael Mushlam out of, uh, out of Israel who spent 35 years studying this product and trying to figure out why it had such incredible impacts, it became very clear to me that we're scratching the surface out of this product that is having benefits with no one knowing why it has benefits because the R&D, the science, the innovation, the technology, the IP was just not being allowed to be applied to it in any shape or form. But I thought to myself, this has to happen. This just, this, this eventually people are going to wake up and there's going to be a protest and we're going to insist. Um, Probably you jumped ahead to, to where we are today. And I think the biggest catalyst of what moved the cannabis industry to where we are today is, is the pharmaceutical dilemma that we're all dealing with, which is just another offshoot of alcohol, tobacco, and guess what? We just watched Big Pharma literally poison North Americans, moms, daughters, sons, Absolutely. childs, adults, seniors, yeah. are all of a sudden been force-fed pharmaceuticals by physicians, by big pharma, by all of our doctors who are, are, are passing along these drugs and suggesting this is all okay. And now the data is coming out and we have the mayor of Vancouver who just came out and said, we can't deal with this crisis any longer and we have to recreationalize or decriminalize the possession of all drugs as a result of this big pharma mess. So so anyway, I think I think what became very compelling to me is this was a just cause. This was nothing to do with getting high. Sorry, nothing to do with getting high is not fair to, to the drug because there's nothing wrong with getting high. Um, it's, a, it's a good thing if you like it. I personally pick and choose how I want to use my cannabis when I use it for what, what particular issues right. I use it. But fast forward to where we are today, and it's a different story where it was three years ago. It's a different story where it was five years ago. And we are literally watching... Um, a global decriminalization, not only of this drug, but frankly, most drugs, which which should have happened 20 years ago, maybe 40 years Easy, ago, maybe yeah. 80 years ago. But the reality of it is there's a fast change. So maybe I'll take a pause there and uh, get you back and let you get, let you get me back on track. But, well, the, uh, the biggest thing I'm noticing is that you're so passionate about what you're talking about. When you see somebody that are, is passionate, it is evident to see very easily. So... It's, it's telling me right now that you've done an incredible amount of research. 
you've met with a lot of people over the years that have dealt with specific pain, specific health issues that you know could have made a significant difference in their lives if a form of, of marijuana would be would have been applied. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a safe way of looking at Look, I've had a tremendous roller coaster ride within this industry, but frankly, it's been something that is, we all need kind of our or what are we here to do? And I don't want to make cannabis as this is, this is my, my calling, but it, it, it gave back so much to me. Um, I speak about my father's death and uh, I speak about the pharmaceutical crisis, but I worked in medical clinic. My, my first real moment in, in cannabis, which was a real coming to maybe Jesus moment where I'm traveling around with the head of the drug taskman force of the entire RCMP who is now retired, but working for one of our businesses that I helped fund and finance and was one of the original owners of that recognized seven years ago, God was it seven years ago that there was this massive deficiency that a cannabis needed to be regulated. Um, this is before, obviously, Justin Trudeau made his change in the law. It was just at the tipping point where medical cannabis was starting to kind of come to the forefront, despite the fact that Alan Rock and the Liberal government had decriminalized cannabis from a medical perspective like 22-ish years ago. Really, no one was using it. It was really isolated. There was no access to medically regulated cannabis. Um, they made it difficult, too. Oh. They, the doors weren't open at that point. Yeah. So we, this particular business, which quite frankly was was my entrance into this space, was really focused on two things, aggregating patients, where you were giving patients the opportunity to come in with physicians, our own physicians, and with our own experts that were able to sit down and educate them on cannabis, go through the, the, the whole history behind it, the proper dosaging, being able to titrate the usage. It became very clear. Cannabis in general, and this is, this is kind of a cannabis 101, but it's, it's very simple. Most people that don't like cannabis or say, it just doesn't work for me, it's the same kind of synopsis that I gave earlier. They got too high. They had a terrible experience with right. it, and that's it. But it's real simple when you when you start to learn that cannabis is just. Uh, I mean, it's a it's one of the most complex plants on the planet. Um, people hear this and ah, yeah, 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 but. There's 150 different compounds that make up this. THC, everyone knows THC. That's one of 150 compounds. Yeah, it's crazy. CBD is two of 150. And, you know, this is the, the 150. It can might be a little bit more than that. But on average, that's it. But most people that experience cannabis um, experienced in a terrible way, in a wrong way. And uh, we, we use analogies to kind of show people how this is. But... Most cannabis users that we knew and even still know today within reason are very consistent users. They've developed a high tolerance to the drug and their, their uh, receptors are much different than the average person that's going to say, hey, can I try that? And their introduction to usually cannabis for the first time is taking, uh, taking a dosage that is could knock a rhino down that that wasn't mm. wouldn't be using it let's properly let's just say first my first time. usage yeah, I mean, recently it was mine too. and i mean kenny recently yeah, yeah i went way overboard and i said wow like if this is like this no way i can handle it but reality i knew that when i i was coached by a good friend 
well, you you know him as well, Mike Pope, sure, who deals with PTSD, mm-hmm. which we're going to get into uh, briefly. Um, but I needed something that aided in my sleep. Yeah, I couldn't sleep at night, so you have one or two choices outside of the marijuana field, which is sleeping pills, which is pharma, or alcohol. Yeah, and both of those are. are Number one, pharma is going to give you, you're going to tolerate more and more, which means you have to get stronger and stronger. Yeah. And then alcohol is going to absolutely kill you. So I'm like, I need to find something that's going to give me balance. That's going to allow me to sleep at night, you know? So, um, this guy behind me, who are, who's our video producer, Mike was my son. He's the one that's been coaching me for years on the usage. And, and I really was closed minded for a long time. I really was, um, just for the fact that he uses it more recreationally yeah. than he does medicinally. And I I needed to explore that. And that's where Mike came in because Mike uses it completely for, you know, therapeutic therapeutic use that sure. helps his health in a big way. So um, there's a you're right, there's a multitude of different ways that people can utilize this to benefit their health. So if they look into it properly with yeah. the right information. So I'll try to summarize it this way, and it, it, it goes in a bunch of different directions, and I don't want to confuse the audience in any way. It's not that complex. Big pharma, big alcohol, big tobacco has so much interest and unfortunately will own the lion's share of this industry. Um, they would already own it if it wasn't for the fact that it was still illegal in the United States from right. a Schedule One designation, which, um, which factually states anything that, that is labeled a schedule one narcotic a means there's absolutely no medicinal value to it from definition and two it it gets summarized uh from a perspective meth crack heroin um cocaine are schedule twos right so you know like like what fucking planet are we fucking on like <laughs> it just and and I mentioned this stat earlier that that I want to make sure I, I was clear on this stat to suggest that no one's ever died from from cannabis use is is not what I what what I meant to say. No one has ever died. It is impossible to die from overconsumption of cannabis. The body just physically cannot take on enough cannabis to break down. Um, the body, which we all know is an incredibly resilient uh, uh, model, will literally shut down and you'll go to sleep. You might wake up a little banged up, but I can tell you you're going to be okay and everything's going to be fine. Um, statistically, I think the scientists have discovered that you would need to inject like eight pounds of cannabis, which frankly <laughs> is just is physically impossible. Not it possible is. Not. in any shape or form to right, come Mike? even remotely close yeah, to no. at once. So yes, people have gotten high and jumped off buildings, or yes, people have gotten high and drove their cars into bridges. Well, or, they have an overdose. Yeah, but and and so. That meant a lot, but but back to where this industry gets really exciting, and the the, the fact remains, we're three years into legalization mm. in Canada. Yeah, pretty close. Two and a half yeah. ish. I should know that, but but like always, the Canadian government did a hell of a job in descheduling or sorry, um, making recreational cannabis available, right. and um, that that was important move. Um, unfortunately they dropped the ball on so many other avenues of this and I get it. They're trying to coast their way into it. They're trying to do this in a way that it will be 
consumer friendly. Um, but I think we all know the real reason. They're just trying to figure out how to commercialize this properly and 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 work it. Um, so so back to kind of the, the the concept behind why cannabis is about to get so exciting is for the first time, um, this Biden election has been very important for many people for Absolutely. many different reasons. Um, from a cannabis perspective, they have a strong initiative to change that Schedule 1. What that means at the end of the day is big pharma, big tobacco, big alcohol, big banks um, are, le- are legally allowed to get involved in the space right now. Federally illegal as a Schedule One narcotic means as a business, you cannot touch this in any shape or form. <laughs> so everybody, although they're recognizing how big this industry is about to become, and anyone that's not just has the blinders on, um, frankly, are just about to, they know there's a massive change. The U.S. is about to, we anticipate, and when I say we, people within my my group of people and, and like-minded thinkers that, frankly, have built out some of the largest cannabis companies globally in the world, um, are expecting between this year, ideally by the end of 2021, that federal listing will change and we will see a boom in this industry. It's already happening now and I'd be happy to speak to why, but we're going to watch a boom in this Mm. space where IP, innovation, science, technology, all those corporations and equally as important all the banking uh, banking problems that exist because banks can't participate because the big u.s have deemed it federally illegal so that changes and when that changes we're 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 watching some substantial um some substantial uplift both in the markets and when i say substantial we saw the canadian industry take the elevator up or sorry the escalator up and the elevator down um the top four U.S. cannabis companies did a billion dollar in revenue last week. Mm. Last week, so last quarter week. three numbers, they did a billion dollars in revenue in an unregulated market, which is can't go out of the state and is still Schedule One, federally illegal. You know who's doing a billion dollars in revenue? Google, yeah, Amazon, exactly, Facebook, yeah. Do you know how many other companies Not are doing a billion dollars in revenue? Many. And that's in a fucking unregulated market. Yeah. That's all about to change. So yeah. it's 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 exciting. I don't want to make it about the money because that's not what it's about. I mean, it's everything's about the money to a certain extent, and I'd be a hypocrite to say that that's not a, a great benefit of it. But more importantly is we will start to see the transition where the education, the science, the innovation will catch up to that. And people are going to be able to go into their grocery store, maybe walk up to their pharmacist and say, hey, I'm not sleeping well tonight. I want to try a a product. And it's going to be completely dosed for your specific needs and wants. So if you don't want THC in it, you're not going to get it. Maybe you want 3% of THC. The average cannabis plant that if someone was to take a joint at a at a party probably has roughly between 17 and 22 percent which could be considered high i think 32 or 33 or 34 percent is as high as that's ever been registered give or take on either side but the average person cannot consume that without having negative reactions but it all becomes just like a dosage the pharmaceutical industry already has that figured out they do that with every drug that they, they deal with now it's cannabis is just those 150, they're just compounds. They're just. It's going to be another vehicle. It's always oh, going to be. Yeah. It's so, going to be an alternative, and it's going to be 
well, it's going to be it's going to be very beneficial for a lot of people because a lot of people have had a lot of adverse effects over pharmaceuticals for a long time. Yeah, every every commercial you see on television, Kenny, is um, a new drug gets launched in the United States, but there's you know eighty different side effects that are possible. Yeah. and in the commercial, they they speed that up. In the end, sure. they actually modify the speech and speed it up because there's so many that are there. And they're held accountable to make sure that they tell people what the side effects are. So they have to put it in the commercial. Yeah. So they speed it up. And I mean, like, I just don't see, I, I, I haven't seen any evidence to this point. And, I, and then I'm not a big user at all. Yeah. Like, I, I very what minimal. I, what I suggest you will be. But it's not, again, I don't think it'll probably be for you getting high. Although there's well, a for me, for me, I think for it's going to be for maybe... <laughs> Here's the deal. We're going to be using products to give you energy in the morning. Mm, yeah. Like a coffee or like a Red Bull. We're going to be using products to give you a sharper focus and interest and 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 similar to a pharmaceutical drug. We're going to be using products to help before you work out, a pre-workout and a post-workout. Mm. We're going to be using products to help you sleep at night. We're going to be using cannabinoids, which is just the name of the, the actual compounds, the chemicals, the 150 that are there. Um, they're, it's all going to come into play because they're going to figure out what works and what doesn't got to be clear on something. I'm not suggesting that this is the, the, the sole solution no, to health and all. wellness. Um, and I'm not here to say big pharma doesn't have a role and a place in, in everybody's life. I mean, pharmaceutical technology advancements or however you look at them, a lot of them, their intentions were good. I don't think at first they came out to say, hey, let's go get everybody whacked on drugs. Well, Oxycontin's a great example. Well, well, it is. It, that they did do that. They did do that. A hundred percent. I mean, right. the, that was, the that was horrific. Family, horrific. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, but, you know, we, we watch what happens. And, and they get away with it. Yeah. I mean, money well, gets, get them, yeah. gets, you know, lets them get away with it. They get Just, away with it. They make, Fifty billion dollars, and they pay a Some fines. three billion dollar yeah. fine, and everyone no goes, "Oh my God, three billion dollars! That's a big fine." Yeah, and they made fifty billion bucks, and uh, <laughs> cost of doing business. I'm and, no kidding. You know, frankly, it goes back to why this industry has always been so interesting to me. Is I, I, I like to try to find things that make sense morally, ethically, mm. um, and on top of that, and anyone that knows me well enough, I also like to to get involved in things that aren't following the norm and frankly push buttons, you know, uh, look, so, they were let, trying let to me throw me in jail for this. I know. In 10 years. Ago. I know it's crazy. And legally had a right to do I it. Know. Right? Here's the thing. I'm going to slow you down. Just pull you back, pull back the reins <laughs> a little bit. Um, cause you're a lot like I am, but we get excited. We, we do. And I want to get to like, you know, my mother, my father, mm -hmm. Stephanie Oikel and Greg Oikel, my parents, friends that they grew up with. This is a whole new subject for them. So let's let's just slow it down and break it down a little bit for our audience that's going to be sure. watching the podcast or listening to it. That Let's talk about CBD versus THC. Yeah. CBD does what and THC does what? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess first they all do different things to different right. people. What works for you, what works for my mom, what works for... Um, my for anybody it all varies based on personal preferences um, every human being has what's known as an endocannabinoid system uh, I referenced Dr. Raphael Muslim he's the lead red uh, lead scientist in this that's been studying this for 35 years out of the University of Jerusalem I believe um, he made a major discovery that 
frankly, just revolutionized my interest in this space in the sense that he identified that not only every human being, but every mammal on the planet, and factually documented data, this isn't, has what's known as an endocannabinoid system within their body. One exists, I think, in the frontal lobe of the body, uh, in the brain, and then the other one exists in the... Uh, in the stomach or uh, of, of human beings, there, there's two receptors. There's uh, there's a CBD CBD and a C, or sorry. Uh, anyway, I'm forgetting this for some strange reason. Anyway, two receptors in your body, and um, what they found out, what the study was, is that there is cannabinoids, there is cannabis in 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 our systems, and that's just there. That's there as part of not only every human but every mammal on the planet. So. What they recognized that when they started introducing plant-based cannabinoids, simply cannabis that was drawn from the plant, when they would attach to these receptors. And all these wonderful things were happening before everyone would say, hey, I, I'm getting high, but I don't know why I'm getting high, or I'm feeling euphoria, but I don't really know why that is. So this particular um, research was able to identify that these two receptors in the body um, the cannabinoids would attach to each of those receptors. And there was all of these wonderful things taking place within the body. It was helping with pain. It was helping with, um, with sleep. It was helping with all these things. And they really didn't understand it. But that was the first bit of science and research that led down the path of where we are now identifying different compounds, i.e. CBD and THC. So back to your question, THC is definitely the most notorious of it. It is the psycho, quote unquote, psychoactive part of the cannabis plant that creates a lot of the high. CBD, which is again, the second or one more of 150 different cannabinoids, right. happened to just be um, a, uh, a cannabinoid that, the, that people were finding was causing all of these wonderful experiences, but without the psychoactive or intoxicating um, involvement. So the industry all of a sudden got really excited and saying, wait a second, this must be the quote unquote medicinal aspect mm. of the plant. Most people like our parents weren't interested in getting high. Right. Um, and all of a sudden this massive frenzy was built around the CBD market. This is the quote unquote good, good part of the plant. This is the non-intoxicating. You take this, you won't get high. So uh, literally uh, an incredible industry was launched as a result of this. And in fairness, um, through a lot of research and a lot of the medical clinics today are prescribing CBD for a number of different reasons. Um, inflammation, for instance, yeah. is a really big part of issues that people have, and they were finding a very direct result of, uh, of usage of CBD and helping for inflammation. Some people are having it for sleep. Some people were having it for pain. And we created this craze, and some of it's justified, some of it's not. It certainly works, but most experts try to will, will think that cannabis as a plant should be used in a full spectrum where you're not pulling out different compounds and individualizing them, but more importantly, using them as a quote unquote entourage effect. And I think this is where we need to move forward with the research. We need to move forward with the science and people a lot smarter and a lot brighter and a lot richer than me are going to be the ones that, that figure this out. But so, so right now, a lot of adults, a lot of seniors, which FYI seniors are the fastest growing Absolutely. demographic in cannabis yeah. use, which, which is quite interesting in its own right, um, are all focused on CBD. But I think it gets a lot more exciting as they start using 
low, low dosages of THC, such low dosages that there's no real side effect right. as far as impairment exactly. or, or intoxication, but also reaps benefits. And um, I don't know if that kind of explains the difference between it, but there's a big separation right now between traditionalists that think the plant should be used as a whole entity and others that are now starting to pull the compounds and trying to figure out what might be worth using individually as opposed to uh, collectively. I, I'm amazed. To, I'm trying to get the individual's name. I'm trying to remember it. Actually, if you, I don't know, Michael, if you can pull it up, but I'm sure you, you'll remember Kenny, so I don't, I don't think Michael will have to. Sure. But there's an individual here in Nova Scotia that has actually helped a lot of people yeah. for a lot of years before yeah. it became legal, yeah. and he would grow his own crops yeah. He 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 looked after helping a lot of people with cancer issues. Yeah. So that was Rick and pain. Simpson. Rick Simpson, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and Rick was an amazing human being for a very long time. We took on a lot of pressure oh. from a lot of people when it wasn't popular. Yeah, yeah. No, um, know his story well, and frankly, in in the industry is regarded as one of the pioneers in the space. There's many of them. His story is very very common to to a lot of them that. I, you know, his story was simple. He he was very plant based, and frankly, outside of the cannabis story, the whole plant based movement is something that I'm very very intrigued and entrenched in, and and feel that we all need to spend more time focusing on plant based medicine, as not just cannabis, but oh, any absolutely. Means. Um, you know what we the way we feed ourselves and eat ourselves and and such is a whole different topic. But he was a very plant based, eccentric driven individual that studied the cannabis plant heavily. Um, he was making claims very early, uh, almost a bit of a hermit mentality, and developed this. Um, this area where he was living just outside of Nova Scotia and he was treating friends of his that were suffering from significant yeah, illnesses, absolutely. like significant cancer related injuries and, uh, and, and such. And, and ironically, uh, I think CBC did a big documentary on like 20 years ago. I'd, I'd say I might be off with that. And people are being interviewed and they're saying I'm cancer free. I know. Um, look, it's a really tough claim, and frankly, it's something that we in the industry try to stay as far away from because it's all anecdotal at this yeah. stage, and 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 trying to trying to prove that it's it's it, it's not an area we like to go down. But what I will say is that for whatever reason, this plant for so many years has had a positive effect on so many different people that something is there. And now for the first time, we're, we're able to actually dissect it mm. and get a big look at it. And I'm very optimistic, as I, as I assume comes off, that, that we're going to be in a really good place in another five years. And frankly, most of that is going to be capitalistic driven. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily, but I think there'll be a lot of benefits that come from, from that particular. But not only that, Kenny, I mean, Legally, you're allowed to grow four plants yeah. in your own home, so yeah. you don't have to purchase all of it. But it, I said to Michael earlier today, it's funny, you have people that make their own wine, you have yeah. people that make their own beer, make their own alcohol, but most people choose not to mm -hmm. just because it's inconvenient in their lives. Yeah. So they, they're getting the, the, the option, and the government's at least allowing those people that want to grow their own plants based on their own personal preference yeah. to do so. So yeah. I think that's a positive. I really do. Big positive. And, and kudos to the government for, for being able to do that. Frankly, when, when Canada, and again, a lot of compliments to our country, we live in a wonderful 
special place is I think as we watch what's going on all over the world and even just south of our border, uh, we're all we're all reminded over and over and over again how amazing of a of a country we oh, live in. Oh, there's no question. We can complain, we can talk. Uh, I think we're driven to complain about things, but but we live in a special place. And twenty some years ago, Canada decided to make it legal for those that qualified for medical cannabis. And w- the problem with it is, is they created their own medical. Um, production facility uh when you think of what happened 22 years ago versus what's going on now it's, it's interesting but the deficiency of course was they really didn't know how to grow it they picked a strange area to run their production facility out um i think they similar to a lot of these large lps that are now struggling in canada thought this was going to be a lot easier endeavor than right. when it was a bunch of hillbillies can do this we should be able to do this no problem <laughs> and and the fact remained within and this is what changed the law within canada is they couldn't produce enough of it. What they did produce was arguably not very good, to say the least. And that argument still carries on a little bit today. But so as a result, um, which is another area where cannabis becomes so much more than just the story of, quote unquote, getting high, is you watched, you watched a number of people that were embedded and passionate about what they were doing fight for their right. And frankly, I don't know any other area where people were able to say, uh-uh, mm. you can't supply us with our medical cannabis. We have a legal right to take it as the government suggested and our physicians have suggested. We want the right then to grow it ourselves. And that's where this whole sort of movement started to, to, to get interesting, where people were demanding that it's unconstitutional because you're not giving us an opportunity to treat ourselves. We have a medical license here that says we can use cannabis, but no one's doing a good enough job providing it. So that's where your grow, your grow at home or your, and that's where, frankly, although it's now a recreational situation has, has come from where people are able to grow plants at home. And uh, again, I, uh, I'm deviating. I know, but I think, I think the big thing that people should take about this is every time that the government challenged individuals over the rights to to do what they wanted to do with cannabis within reason. Um, it went straight to the Supreme Court of Canada, and, yeah. and and the cannabis advocates pretty well won every time. Yeah, which is is remarkable, um, as it's recognized as a as a medical product. So, anyway. all, all I know is that I'm a results driven guy. I'm not about intentions. I'm about results, and and I've interviewed people that are personal friends of ours that I, we have grown up with. Uh, I can't really, you know, he hasn't given me permission. I haven't even asked permission to, to say his name, so I won't. But he literally sat on his boat at the marina one night and told me that not only did he help cure his father's cancer, <clears throat> but four other people that you and I both know personally mm-hmm. are all cancer-free. So they followed a specific regimen. They, they followed it to the T. Yeah. Most of it was oil-based. Uh, or it was all oil based, yeah. but there was there's a procedure that they had to go through specifically to make sure that it was effective. And once again, I'm not saying that sure. that cannabis cures cancer. I'm just saying I've heard more positive results than the very few I've ever heard. Yeah. So I mean, I'm a results driven guy, and when you start to hear my dad had stage four cancer, <clears throat> and he's still living, um. 
you've you've got to be well like you, you that's why you're so passionate you've got to start being inquisitive sure you start that you you have to have a curiosity towards it because sure. it definitely has some massive benefits to society in so many different ways so just a quick response to that the long and the short of it is i don't know if cannabis is capable at this stage of curing cancer um am i hopeful that it will Yes, 100%. I think there, there's opportunity for that to happen, especially as we, as we move forward with, uh, with innovation. Um, but what I will tell you, which is frankly equally as important at this stage, is anybody that suffers from chronic illness, chronic pain, end-of-life case scenarios, um, I've experienced it. Every person on the planet will experience it if they haven't, where they're watching someone they care about die. And it is the most humbling, devastating event that probably occurs in one person's life to watch a parent, a son, a child, um, anyone that they love die around them. And this is what I can tell you about cannabis as opposed to the other alternatives. Um, The biggest problem with people that are at an end-of-life scenario is they're in chronic pain, they don't sleep, they don't eat, and their digestive system is a complete disaster based on a million different reasons. We all know just from the fundamental health and wellness 101 that if you're not eating, you're not healthy. You can't feed yourself. No matter what's going on, you're just not getting the nutrition your body needs. If you're not sleeping... You're not going to be able to repair, recover as needed. If you are bowels all messed up, which of course you are because of the radiation or the chemotherapy or the pharmaceutical drugs. And again, look, I I feel obligated to say this. It's a tool in the toolbox, Mm -hmm. which it's a very, very valuable tool. Am I saying big pharmas throw all your drugs away and, and, and absolutely not? Uh, but I, but I am insisting anybody that's experiencing this particular, these particular end of life scenarios, the quality of life that you can give somebody, and I'm not saying you're going to change their their destination or or their outcome, but what I have seen time and time again, personal friends of mine. Um, they are able to at least die with a little bit more mm-hmm. dignity. They're not laying in bed, drooling on themselves because they're in so much fucking pain yeah. that they have to pharmaceutical or use pharmaceuticals to the point that they're really unaware. And, and I think that's tragic. And uh, so, so my point about this whole thing is at the end of life situation, there are some valuable, valuable reasons to be exploring cannabis and i think that'll get better and am i optimistic that there's there's potential cures related to cannabis i am i'm 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 very optimistic about it but uh i think it's going to be a combination of a number of things and i think the cannabis plant will have some uh direct uh value in relation to 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 that cure well how many people across canada in our military alone deal with ptsd that are using cannabis. Yeah. I mean, it has to be tens of thousands, if not more. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to many of them that we went to school with, the Mike Popes, the Kirk Powells, the you name it, right, Um, across the country. And and I know that guys like Ian Hape have reached out to me to talk about PTSD. and, And I just said it's amazing to see this little community that we all grew up in that we all seem to have a specialization or are gone on a certain path that 
connects us to each other in a way that you just, it's hard to explain, yeah. but, but we all come from this little, you know, town of 8,000 people that have all gone different places, sure. but this subject brings us all back home. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful to, to, to get brought together on a number of different uh, topics. And this one certainly has, you know, you mentioned Ian Hape, uh, Ian and I got really connected uh, very closely as a result of this. He came into our, to our clinic and, was a big part of it, and uh, frankly, it it was wonderful because as close as I was to Ian, I felt like I've I we became so much closer as a result of it, and have big respect for for Ian and 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 Kirk and Mike and those guys. Look, they go to war, and uh, absolutely. Is there anything worse in the world than going? You to can't. War? Say, I don't know if you can see anything worse. I really don't. I mean, psychologically, I, physically, mentally, going to try to fight a war that you're not even knowing. Well, anyway, it's, it's and I don't think way. I don't think Kenny that anyone that ever I'm a very good friend of both of ours, Danny Dospital. Yeah. I was at Danny's graduation in Cornwallis in 1989. Great story. And you know, he was a paramedic. You remember, he was a paramedic, yeah. and he would have seen some pretty horrific things on the road, yeah. which kind of helped him. But a lot of people that have never been in that field would go in the military with no idea of what they're going to see. Yeah. And I don't care how tough you are physically, the mental aspect of what you're going to see, the horrific things that happen in other countries when you see children and, and mothers and fathers and families destroyed, that, that has to stay with you at such a deep level that to find something that can support them in a way that deals with that stress yeah. has to be something that you've got to be proud of being associated with. No, I, I am. And I appreciate you saying that. And uh, I, I, I think, I think the future is pretty bright in this space. And, um, you know, I went from digging into 20 years ago, my, my own little R and D shop where I was cultivating I cannabis, um, kind of in a little closset and trying to figure out what this is all about. And, you know, trying the, the to cops didn't that. like it. And no, I mean, it was just crazy. No. And everybody then, Kenny was like, Oh, he's walking on a thin line and, no, and he's doing the wrong yeah. things. And I'm like, you know, he's digging. And if he's digging and he's pushing, then he's going to look for some, he's going to look for some answers. And, um, now I'm very proud of you, the direction you've taken. I've, I've shared that information with a lot of people because we've grown up literally grown up together yeah. since we've been children four years of age and I always believed you had special talents to be able to put yourself in a positive direction and you chose something and you stuck with it that was the thing that I really admired you for is you stuck with it because you believed in it you had passion for it and that gave you purpose sure. and when you're in a purpose-driven part of your world there's a book I read last year it says job career purpose yeah. when you get in the purpose part of your life you're driving your own vehicle. Yeah. And days are challenging because you're dealing oh, with numbers, yeah, investors, yeah. you're dealing with challenges every day, but you're in a part of your life that you want to be in. So you don't mind those challenges sure. nearly as much as if you were working in an area we weren't passionate you about. You talk about purpose, Dennis, and, and, and frankly, look, we life's tough. It's tough for everyone. And I grew up under unbelievable circumstances with unbelievable love and support from the best parents that I could get. I mean, I, I grew up privileged because I came from a family that was full of love. And, yeah. and, and frankly, when you have that, and I know this, and I know this from my heart, and I'm so proud of it. When you have that type of support, when you know 
you're given, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, that, that you have the support and love of your family. That's unconditional. That gives you an extra gear. And, mm. and frankly, I look around and I watch people that maybe didn't have two parents that, that were as appreciative and supportive. And I mean, I've come close numerous times of falling off edges and, uh, and was able for what, whatever reason to, to, to kind of stay on side, if we can use that as a term. But I don't know how people do it, frankly, without the that backup support and support that you do. But, but you, you talked about purpose. Um, probably one of my biggest regrets in life is the fact that my father who moved to Nova Scotia 53-ish years ago, ran away from his banking's father in Ottawa's influence and decided to move out east and do a science and forestry de degree at UNB, which was totally against the, <laughs> the wishes and wills of my grandfather. He wanted him to follow his footsteps and settled into rural Nova Scotia, mm -hmm. Bridgewater, Nova Scotia, and tried to make a make a go in in the christmas tree business you know but but my dad was a very very law-abiding he was very active member of the community he was um you know and and it was very nice to watch the way he worked and maneuvered within the town and i think um most people respected him for the right reasons i know i certainly did but you talk about purpose one of my one of my regrets is my father who it'll be it's been nine years since he passed we talked about this space and industry and when he was not alive or when he was alive even shortly before his death we discussed very deeply my passion and my focus on this space and dad being dad recognized the 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 risk in it and and was concerned about it for obvious reasons but at the same time, I know he admired the what was going on within 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 reason, and and to see where we are today, and and I don't want to start toting horns or not, but um, we went from running a national medical clinical company, which now is the largest retail operation in the nation, um, founded, funded, one of the original shareholders of that. Um, I went from being involved in directly from seed level to start the largest distribution business in the largest uh, cannabis uh, industry in the world, and that is in California. And that company, that uh, a lot smarter people than me, and a lot, 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 uh, a lot maybe better people than me, um, built and sold for a billion dollars uh, to now the largest cannabis company in the world, arguably. Um, People close to me and companies that I worked directly with went into the Colombian government and went into a country that was war torn as a result of a drug cartel, a 40-ish year war that went on forever, um, and convinced the government to legalize yeah, cannabis. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, someone dear and close to, to our hearts I here love it. went in to the fucking country of Colombia government and built the largest cultivated and lowest cost <laughs> producer in the world. Um, I'm dealing with people in Israel right now that sold tele telecommunication businesses to the government. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's crazy where this industry has taken me and, and I'm honored and privileged and, 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 
frankly, a little bit shocked that this has transpired in the way it is. But what I will tell you, and I'll tell your readers, when you have a purpose, whether it's, whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is, Candy. It doesn't matter. It's as long as you have your own journey. You're on your journey, and there's sacri- I, I, I have this conversation with many people. Your life is like a book, and every year is a chapter. And some of those chapters go with, hey, it was just humdrum, humdrum. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have some chapters that have a lot of adversity and challenges, and then you have some, challenge- then you have some chapters that really are, are enlightening and informative, and then you have some successes. The problem is most people don't want to write the chapters, yeah. They just want the same book, the same chapter to be the same day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And all of a sudden, you have 75 years in that book, and it's a pretty bland book. Well, we pick and choose the paths we want to take. And, 100%. And look, I, again, I, I, I don't pretend I'm any better, any worse than anybody else, but for whatever reason... Got very lucky with some of the opportunities that. Yeah, but you don't. You make up. luck, buddy. Come on, you know better than that. You you, you work towards that luck. Yeah. It wasn't just it just fell in your lap. You weren't sitting at home playing PlayStation, and somebody just said, "Hey, let's call Kenny Lord up about this." You got in the way of luck, yeah. right? And that that takes commitment, that sacrifice. That's the truth, man. It really is. And some people don't give themselves enough credit when credit is due and. That is the situation with you. And some people try to stay as humble as they can about what they've done. But to me, you got in the way of luck. And you were a pioneer, literally, when the police in this province probably considered you a criminal at one point, which was asinine to even think. Because today, and it takes someone to be a pioneer like that, to understand that I need to take those kind of chances and risks before years or decades before it actually happens that's what you call a visionary person well they have vision well, well you're, you're you're too kind with those statements but but something that i did feel important to address in regards to the police frankly the police were doing their job oh yeah i mean and, they're following the and, laws of the country right and, and when it came to cannabis especially back then it was the lowest hanging fruit, right? I mean, <laughs> Amen. the talk was, oh, it's drug re- or it's cartel related or gang related. And, you know, they were, they had to, but at the end of the day, most of the times they were walking into guys that certainly didn't have anything to do with guns or gangs. And it was yeah. easy hanging fruit for them. So in fairness to the officers today, and, and look, it's the get tough on crime situation from Stephen Harper still exists today. And although we are so-called legally allowed to do certain things within the cannabis space, it's, it's, there, there are areas that are, are certainly, certainly people need to pay attention to and such, but we've, we've, we've come many ways. And I just wanted to make sure that from a policing perspective, they're just doing their job at the end of the day. And, uh, um, I think the changes needed to happen, and I, I, I definitely very encouraged by the by the way this has gone, and, and and certainly to the way it's going. So, what else is going on in your life besides this? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm sure it's taken up a lot of your time, but I'm yeah. sure with the, your your creativity and your what's going on in your world, it leads you. In. I always say when you have when you build something like you've built, other opportunities seem to come in your direction because. You put yourself in the way of it. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's happened to you. What's going on? Well, no, great question. And if the easiest way to answer that is, is I wake up 
a little bit anxious every day and go to bed a little anxious every day. Need a little bit more of, uh, of my product maybe. But um, based on the fact that I'm going to miss an opportunity because not only this space, but so many other things are happening so fast. Um, investments are, are an area that I, I focus a lot on. And, and frankly, it was pretty important and, and pretty pretty impressive to be able to have the opportunities that I did and invest in real companies doing real businesses in this space. Um, and as a result, met some incredible people and life's about who you meet. And I've met some of the best people in the world in this cannabis industry. And just like every other industry, I've met some of the worst people in the world. And this industry got flooded with a bunch of capitalists and Bay Street and Wall Street individuals that just came in and the same people that were screaming and yelling that you should be in jail and blah, 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 are now nuzzling up next to you yeah, and no trying kidding. to rape and pillage the IP <laughs> and everything else. And ironically, the ones that made uh, mm-hmm. made the most money on it's the amazing. Yeah, that works on that elevator or escalator mm-hmm. ride up. Um, so, so to answer your question, what I'm doing now, I, I have a, a local project that, frankly, I'm really trying to get off the ground. But a lot of bigger sort of focuses around the globe are, are keeping my attention. We have a big project in in Israel that's uh, probably going to put itself as the largest cannabis company in the world. We went from local LPs in Canada to MSOs, which are multi-state operators in the U.S., and now we're actually dealing with global position companies, global cannabis companies at um, the European market, the Canadian market, the U.S. market uh, is really opening up, and of course... um, Mexico, Brazil, those markets are opening up. So there's some pretty substantial things happening and things just get seemed to get bigger and bigger. But one of my regrets or one of the one of my focuses would be to do something local. Um, and as everyone that knows the alcohol industry, there was a major transition over the last 10-ish years where the craft alcohol business became a very, very viable right. um, business for a number of different reasons, locally brewed, more attention to detail, uh, those type of things. I certainly see a spot and a space opening up in the cannabis industry as a result of that, where margins, frankly, are, are phenomenal. So I'd love to try to tackle that. Um Personally, from an investment standpoint, which is real life, where I've kind of built most of my 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 net worth, if I can call it that, um, I'll stay very heavily involved in the cannabis space. But I'm uh, heavily involved now in um, digital currency, and uh, that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. And focusing on industries that I'm I'm compelled at, and frankly, uh, extended life technologies, which we touched base on earlier, is uh, is an area that I think has probably more compelling growth opportunity and whether we should be living longer or not is uh, is a debate to have on another time, but there's certainly uh, an argument. Oh, we, we will for, definitely an argument for. We're that. definitely got to go in that direction for yeah. sure. Yeah. You've got guys like Jeff Bezos and oh, yeah. and Elon Musk. Now those guys are the you know the outer atmosphere type of people in regards to how much money they're worth. But it's amazing that they use their their core company or companies mm-hmm. to facilitate what they're interested in or passionate about. Both of them are interested in space. So I think that this platform that you've built is going to allow you to explore other areas that you have passions in. And that's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm passionate about to see your next chapter in that book. Sure. Because it's definitely, um, the book is far from done. And if you're going to look into technologies living longer, we're going to be uh, standing side by side for a long time because I need that to happen for sure. No question. People smarter than me will be doing that. No problem, uh, buddy. As I'll, long as you I'll, connect the dots. But I'll hope, uh, I'll hope like always just to connect some. All you got to do is connect the dots and yeah. make it happen. Yeah, yeah.
Kenny Lord in studio at the Weekly Woodcast with Dennis and Michael Woodworth. An absolute pleasure, and we've enjoyed your company. I look forward to having you back shortly on the other two topics that we definitely need to discuss. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, guys.